Our message today is from the book of Luke, chapter 2. But I have a question as we begin. Do you believe in miracles? The dictionary defines a miracle as being a highly improbable or extraordinary event or development or accomplishment that brings very welcome consequences. As I read that definition, I immediately questioned, is that dictionary definition adequate enough for us to truly understand what a miracle is? Or is a miracle something that is so incredibly wonderful and different that it is perhaps simply beyond our realm of understanding? As we read these scripture words today, may we ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and allow us to see what a true miracle is all about. Follow with me as I read these words. This is Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Precious words. Now again, as for miracles, often in today's manner of conversation, we find people searching for strong words to use, words that would reach beyond the normal, and they seem to do that because they think that if they emphasize something, an event or a particular deed strongly enough, then those who are listening will be more apt to believe what they're saying. And one of those words is this word, miracle. But too often, the way in which the word is used does not accurately 
fit the meaning of the word. Most often the word miracle is used to describe some extra human effort. But can human effort really produce a miracle? Extra human effort can and does make men and women heroes, but that's even another word that gets misused and misapplied inaccurately. But even if a person does a truly heroic act, is that the same as a miracle? Can that be the same as a miracle? I do not think so. Miracles and heroes are made from entirely different stuff. Extra human effort can produce a hero, but no amount of human effort can ever produce a miracle. A miracle simply resides in another realm altogether. It resides in the realm of God. And I want to tell us about that today. But I have another question. Do miracles take place often? Do miracles take place often? Are miracles perhaps even more commonplace than we might realize? As for me, I truly believe that miracles are taking place on a regular basis. For me, miracles are actually God's way of keeping our world and our lives functioning through all the moments of our day. It is God and God alone who makes this air that we breathe fit for us to breathe. We don't think much about that because it comes so natural to us. But He is befitting the air that we breathe for each breath. And it's God and God alone who also placed the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of those heavenly bodies there in the heavens, gives us food to eat and rain that falls. To me, all of those things are miracles because they come from and they continue to exist daily through the power and the control of God and God alone. Man cannot do anything to make any of those provisions. You know, most folks don't look at what takes place in our environment and see God's hand in it because they somehow believe that God just formed that little blue ball and just kind of blew it out into space and now it runs on its own. That is not what takes place. Hebrews chapter 1 says, No, God sustains everything that He creates. Psalm 103 and 104 says that He feeds the birds of the air, that the lion who comes out and roars, that He is actually asking God for food. God sustains everything that He creates. Those clouds that are going to bring rain this day or another day. God sustains those clouds today. It wasn't some climatic uh, event that He put into place some years ago, however many thousands we think the earth has been in existence. He does it daily. Man cannot do any of those things. Now we have here in our Scripture today another form of a miracle. Another form of a miracle. The, the birth of a baby. And yes, even though in this world somewhere every few seconds another baby is born, it is still a miraculous occurrence. Why? Because while yes, we men and women do participate in those first moments of conception of those babies, to think that we or some natural occurrence was at work in the formation of uh, the bodies of those little babies or our own bodies, it's just not possible. Our bodies, our hearts, our souls, our spirits, they are too miraculous a creation to come solely from the hands of man or from nature. The words of Psalm 139 tells us exactly how a baby comes into being. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, O Lord, created my 
inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. To think that we, as human beings, do much past that first moment of human conception truly is arrogant foolishness. Foolishness. So yes, as I said a moment ago, miracles probably are far more commonplace than we could ever imagine. God sustaining the very existence of the earth and God meeting the needs and the desires of each one of us every moment of every day. And it all takes place right before our eyes, but we seldom see it taking place. You'll remember that Jesus would often say to those people who were listening to him preach, he'd say, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, let them listen. We don't have those eyes to see often enough. So we seldom see that it was his hand at work that brought us that blessing. Now, so with all that being said, this miracle that we read about here in these words, the birth of this baby Jesus, is a miracle like no other a miracle that goes far and beyond every other miracle that has ever taken place or ever will take place on the face of the earth in all of existence. It's the greatest of all miracles. Why? It's not just because Mary was a virgin. That was true. Jesus had no earthly father like the rest of us. That is so miraculous. But not only because of that is this a miracle. There's so much more. This was the greatest miracle because God himself came to earth to live among us, to be our Emmanuel, God with us, to walk with us, to live a sinless life, and then to die on the cross to pay that penalty for the debt of our sins that I spoke about a moment ago and our justification. But thanks be to God, there is still even more to that miracle. So it begins with Mary being a virgin, and then God coming to us to live among us. And now here, Jesus lived and then he died to pay the debt for our sin. And that same Jesus rose again from his own death, defeating death, and the whole concept of death once and forever, so that he could then say to us that he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Listen to these words. John 11, verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. A miracle. But then, to make this miracle an even greater miracle, Jesus gave us His Holy Spirit to live within us, within our souls, to give us His resurrection power. Do you know what that means? In the book of Philippians it says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. What does it mean to have the power of His resurrection? The power of His resurrection, when He rose from the dead, He had defeated sin. You and I now do not ever have to sin again. Did you know that? We're too busy making excuses to believe those words, but that resurrection power that lives within us now gives us the power to say no to sin. And no, we don't always do that. Sometimes we don't do it often. We make an excuse. We say, I couldn't help myself. But no, that resurrection power gives us the power to say no to sin. And then to make this miracle all the more greater, Jesus also now sits 
continually at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Do you know what that means? That means for those times when you made that excuse and said, I couldn't help it. Jesus is there at the Father's side, making intercession for us. A verse in Isaiah 9 tells it all. There we're told in a simple but profound way, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And He has. God's own hand. Every part of every moment that went into the advent of the baby Jesus arriving on this earth was a true miracle. And it came directly from God's own hand. Now, let me say all of this again because it bears repeating a thousand times. Mary was a virgin. The Holy Spirit filled her body and she conceived this Christ child Jesus, the Holy One of God. She delivered the baby. Jesus, there in Bethlehem, just as it was prophesied at least 700 years earlier. Men and angels, all heaven and earth, rejoiced to see His coming because He would be the Savior of all mankind. He lived His life without sin, and He died the perfect sacrifice so that you and I might live. And He gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to give us the assurance that we're saved, and to be our comforter. And He now sits at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. Isn't that wonderful? Folks, all of those elements make for a true miracle, the greatest of all miracles that mankind will ever know. Now before we close, may I remind us of something that I've said so often but needs to be said over and over again. The occurrences that take place each day on this earth are not random happenstance. Isolated coincidences that simply come together to form some patterns in life. Yes, man does make his own plans for most all of the matters that takes place in his day, in our day. Simply going about it all fully and willfully in control of all of those activities and events, believing so at least. And to that extent he is. But intertwined, intertwined, within all of those man-made plans and activities that we make, those seemingly random occurrences, there's this invisible hand of God busily working out and bringing into fruition all those plans and purposes that God had made. We quoted here recently, Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to bring you a future and a hope. God had plans and He made those plans a long time ago, a lot longer ago than we can imagine. And He's bringing them to fruition in every moment of every day. And when His hands at work, it often produces these detours or changes in the plans that we're making. Strangely, we seldom even realize that that's taking place because we simply accept it as being something that we did to change the plans that we were making. But it was God's hand at work all along. The Bible teachers call this phenomena of man's will and his actions and God's will and his actions concurrence. Concurrence. That intimate intertwining of the unseen hand of God with all the activities of our own hands. And it truly is a strange phenomenon. But for those of us who have the Lord Jesus as our Savior, it is a blessed and wonderful interaction. And I praise the Lord for it when I see it 
taking place in my own life. If I'll step back far enough to be able to look and see His hand. That's what took place with the baby Jesus. All we have to do is step back and we'll see these the mind of men working, but God's hand also working. Mary and Joseph had been born into the family of David. Quirinius ordered a census to be taken. Joseph needed to go to his family town of Bethlehem to register. Why? Because God wanted him to be there because hundreds of years earlier he had said that this baby, this Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And through these, this concurring guidance of God's hand, he brought them to Bethlehem. I love to see that taking place. And so they went there to Bethlehem to register. And just at this very moment that Mary was giving birth. And because all of the great crowds were there to register, there was no room for them in the end, which brings in another prophecy that had been foretold hundreds of years earlier. Folks, while this birth of this baby was almost completely unknown to the people of this earth, it was no small matter that was taking place in heaven. God was guiding all of these activities into one moment in time when Mary would bear this Christ child. God was glorified beyond our own comprehension when all of that took place. And you can see the earth bursting with, and heaven also bursting with praise with these angels announcing the birth to these shepherds and rejoicing. God was bringing to fruition this plan that he had made before the foundations of the earth. Read about that in Ephesians chapter 1 and in John chapter 1. These plans were coming to fruition. He was bringing this Savior to the world. And yes, for all that Mary and Joseph would be encountering over the coming years as the Lord Jesus grew and engaged in the ministry that he would have to mankind, they needed some encouragement. And they no doubt received encouragement directly from the Lord when these shepherds came to visit them and welcomed the birth of their baby. How can we read these scriptures and not see this guiding hand of God taking place in all of these events? We have this expression called, it so happened. We use it so often. And we use that wrongly. It so happened. It didn't just so happen. And I am so comfortable with that. So many people don't like the idea of God guiding all that's taking place on the earth. But it makes me very comfortable because, let me assure you, I do not know how to guide the activities of this earth. We need God's guiding hand. I encourage each of us each day to look for that unseen guiding hand of God and all the many ordinary matters of our daily life. He's right here, folks. It's right here every moment of every day, reaching into and blessing all the circumstances that we're involved in. And when He reveals His divine hand to us, you and I need always to remember to give Him praise and glory and thanksgiving for His blessed provision. Praise the Lord. Now, it's time for us to close this message and take part in the blessing sacrament of communion. May I remind us again of what God desires for us within the taking of the elements of the bread and the cup. As we know from the words that Jesus spoke to us during that first communion supper that was celebrated there in the upper room, 
These elements, the bread and the cup, they represent the precious body and blood of the Lord Jesus. And also, as the words of the Apostle Paul remind us in 1 Corinthians 11, listen, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And dear friends, let me also give us one other reminder that needs to be given before we partake of the sacrament of communion. That reminder is given to us in the words that follow on to these that I just read. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. There he tells us, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself or herself. Then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on themselves. From those words, I ask you please, if you need to deal with some matter of unresolved sin in your heart, take care of that matter first. Please do take care of that matter first. You may be able to do that now, even as you meditate for these next few moments. Perhaps you need to repent of some unresolved anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or some other sin. If so, please, please do that now. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is one humble prayer of repentance away. It's always that way. It's always that way. Forgiveness is just one humble prayer of repentance away. But if you have something in your heart that might take more than just a few moments of meditation, then hold off taking communion today and then come back another time. Take these sacraments. You'll be blessed because of your faithfulness. So then, may we pray, and then we'll partake of these sacraments.